everyone. This is Katie Valentine. Welcome to Magical Mystical Journeys. We have a really big episode today. We're talking about a fun topic, a big energy topic, and I'll give you a little hint, a multi-generational topic. Before we get started, let us introduce ourselves. So again, I'm Katie Valentine. I'm your resident Christian minister, your New Testament scholar, and your metaphysical engineer. And I'm joined as always by Amy Renee and Andrea. Amy Renee, let me turn it to you first. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Renee. I'm a practitioner of shamanic arts. And I am Andrea St. Amand. I'm your resident evidential psychic medium. So today we are talking about ancestors. Who are they? Why should we connect to them? Can we connect to them? Can we heal them? Can they heal us? We're going to get into all that and more. Uh, Don't worry. We're going to talk about ancestors fairly broadly. So no matter where you are in the continuum of knowing or not knowing your ancestors, there is going to be something here for you to explore. So let's Let's talk about first, what are we talking about? Let's define ancestors. Uh, We all have a little bit of a different take on ancestors and a different dimension to explore. So Andrea, what's your definition? What's What's a working definition for you for ancestors? Yeah, for me, so because of my work, because I'm an evidential medium, ancestors means your loved ones who have passed away. So your loved ones uh, meaning your mom, your dad, your grandparents, the people that you knew. Um, of course, they could also be your friends. Um, but that's that's what I think of, like my knee-jerk reaction. When you say ancestors, I'm thinking of the people who came before me in my bloodline or in your adopted family, like your step, your steps. Cool. All right. Uh, Amy, what about you? Yeah. So I kind of have a, a little bit of a different take on that. I believe all of what Andrea just spoke into, you know, that, that family, those who we are connected to through our DNA, as well as to me, I feel like maybe I have ancestors that are Palladian, you know, that are, you know, from star beings, so to speak, or even the elementals to me are a type of ancestor to me. So how about you, Katie? What's your take on it? So all of the above and more uh, DNA and also these we have kind of cosmic ancestors, I guess. And in some, in some way, that's just going to be true if we go back far enough, right? Whether we're all, we're all going to actually be related if we go back far enough. And also I want to throw in the mix spiritual ancestors. So we may have people who are not related to us DNA, maybe people who never even had children who lived long ago, but they serve as spiritual ancestors, maybe not, not quite like a guide, like a guide, probably I wouldn't consider the same energies an ancestor, but someone to whom we look up, whom we can connect with on a spiritual level. So for instance, Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc didn't Mm -hmm. have any children, but she's not, I don't think she's a guide of mine, but I could still consider her to be a spiritual ancestor. Another energy I've been working with lately, and this relates a little more to what Amy said is working with the land as an ancestor as a common ancestor and seeing the earth as an ancestor, uh, maybe the, maybe our most ancient ancestor here on this terrestrial plane. And so that's kind of a fun concept to work with. And I've been kind of thinking of that. So what do we think? How are, what, what's our working definition? Do we have one working definition now? Ancestors are all of the above and more. All of the above. Yeah. And I think Katie, something I've been thinking about just lately is, you know, along that idea of spiritual ancestors of the people who might've come before us in the line of work that we're in or, or who serve as an inspiration. So for you, like Joan of Arc, but 
for me, I remember like all the women who came before me in the practice of law who really were trailblazers or the women who fought for our right to vote or, you know, sort of those, 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 that's a different lineage. We're not related, but the women or the, the people, the men as well, the, um, this is the people who came before us that lived a life that could be very inspiring to us. That gave me the chills just even thinking about it. So when I read about women clergy who were blazing the way hundreds mm. of years ago, or even more recently than that, honestly, and they were fa- facing major odds. Yeah, it's very inspiring. So I, I do consider them kind of spiritual ancestors as well. Amy, I'm imagining if we go back to the first shaman, it was, she was probably a woman. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'd like to find out. <laughs> oh, maybe we will. Maybe we will today. Well, let's let's talk about our, our personal interactions with ancestors and tell a few stories. Then we're going to get into some questions and discussion after that. So who wants to go first? Who's got a, a story to share about their own interaction with ancestors? Andrea, I feel like you probably have 10,000 like every single day when you're doing readings. I do. But <laughs> Amy, your, your face lit up. Why don't you go ahead? All right. So uh, how do I want to put this? Okay. So on my father's side of the family, we are related to Andrew Jackson, who was a U.S. president. And on my mother's side, I have Cherokee bloodline in me. Well, Andrew Jackson is an individual, um, I don't know the whole full story, but this is just like little bits and pieces that have come into my awareness. I'm School was not my thing. History was not my thing. So by all means, just receive what resonates and let go of what does not. But from my understanding, Andrew Jackson was kind of uh, the one who was leading the trail of tears. So all the Cherokee, all the Native Americans, like basically uprooted from their home and forced to move, right? And so many deaths, like just so much tragedy that I'm going to say trauma really came from that. And so I was like, I feel like I was a bridge for my ancestors on both sides. Number one, to ask forgiveness for Andrew Jackson, because, you know, whatever the reasons were that, you know, those actions took place when it comes down to it, if we know the connection of who we are, you know, the oneness, if we can see everyone that's outside of us as a reflection of ourselves in one way, shape or form, maybe I'm not going to force them out of their homes to leave. Right. So there was like this forgiveness aspect of, he didn't realize how connected we all were, you know, and in order for us to heal and clear any energy that has been, it was important for me to ask forgiveness for Andrew Jackson, for that aspect of my lineage, as well as just sending love to my Cherokee ancestors, even those who I may not have been connected with, you know, to shift that vibration, to raise the vibration, to allow for us to move forward with love, to allow these pieces of us that no longer serve, let it go. Those grudges are not going to do any good, you know? So it was to me a very beautiful way of playing my part 
in the lineage of all my ancestors to create a new story for us, to let go of that and doing what I can to help with trauma that may have been stuck in the body. Andrea, what about you? Any ancestor stories? Yeah, I have two. Well, several. I was really close to my mom's side of the family because they were all alive when I was coming up. And yet after my grandparents have passed away, my granddad and I still have a very close relationship and he comes in like all the time and communicates with me through dreams and through readings with other mediums. So that's like a real direct story of ancestors. But my dad's side, I never knew anybody. I never knew anybody. I didn't know my grandmother, didn't know my great grandparents. And they're fascinating. They are the most interesting people. I've done research on them. I tried to fictionalize their story. I feel so connected to these people. I feel even more connected to these great aunts. I had one that was a professional dancer. I had one that was a journalist, writers. This is the side that the mediumship comes through. So it's fascinating that I, maybe I've um, glamorized them because I never had to live with their bad side and their warts, um, which they certainly had. Um, but I just feel so connected on a soul level with this whole line of people who I've never met. I'm curious if our listeners feel the same. And that's mostly through research, research and storytelling that's come down through my dad. Yeah. So anyone who is part of my graduating high school class, Cato Magnet High, had this horrific research project that I had to do. We can all share in the solidarity where we had to re- we had to do our genealogy chart. So I learned a lot about my family. I went back uh, really, really far on one side because there was research that had already been done. But this is way before the days of Ancestry.com or anything like that. So we're in the downtown library in Shreveport, Louisiana, looking at those stupid mimeograph micro microfish machines and they make me seasick. So, um, so that project, so I just happened to know a lot about a lot of my ancestors, especially on my maternal side, but interestingly, probably the first true mediumship experience I had was more than 10 years ago. And it was, it wasn't spontaneous, but I hadn't been, I wasn't really looking for it. And it was my aunt came. And so someone who's not a direct ancestor, but in the lateral family lines. Um, so she paid me a visit and it was very strong. There was more than one of us there. And so it was like, there was just a lot of evidence that was definitely her, um, and coming in a lot of love and, and support. And she and I were kind of kindred spirits, even though we didn't know each other all that well. So I'm really, really grateful for that one experience and that ancestors don't have to have giving you their DNA in order to be, of uh, in your, in your life. And I think the other was, I had a really, really profound, found experience with my spiritual director who helped me, who helped guide me through this, where I was able to get in touch with my female ancestors and let them know that they had passed a lot of stuff on to myself and by the generations, you know, along with me um, and, and living memory that though they had done out of protection was no longer needed. And so we were able to, in this, in this visualization meditation, I was able to offer back to them all the stuff that they had given me that I frankly don't want or need anymore and get that off of my shoulders and back to them so they can decide what to do with it in their ancestral state, whatever that is. And so those are my kind of experiences, you know, with ancestors, um, on a, on a really, really personal level. 
I love that idea. I love that you, I love that because you honored what's been passed down through the lineage that they must have needed in order, like you said, to, to survive, to survive or in yeah. order to flourish. And you don't need it. I love that idea of, I, I honor it. I thank you, but you can have it back. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love well, it. And, and Amy, I'm curious with yours too, we can get into this more in the discussion. You know, I, I heard a lot of, which I really honor a, a lot of helping bridge and offering forgiveness and love and letting go of stuff that doesn't serve. But I'm curious about the justice aspect in there too, and, and how that might kind of play a part as we're looking at ancestors, because if someone, if our ancestors have had a great wrong done to them, right, which for the Cherokee people and all native indigenous people in North America and, and South America too, have had great wrongs done to them what's, you know, what can we do as descendants today, um, to be helpful, um, with that, if anything, um, sometimes it's beyond our control, but sometimes not. So that might be something curious that we can just explore. Yeah. What comes up for me immediately with that is like, so for me, like some of the ancestors, maybe it was more like if you think of it on like a body level, right? There's a lot of like mind heavy culture in certain parts of the world. And then there's other parts of the world that have more of like a very heart centered, right? And there's like that, that balance of both. And so for me to see that, oh, both are there to serve in the ways that they are, like, even though it looks ugly, even though there's all this, you know, stuff stuff that comes with it, all this heaviness that if I'm able to see that each of those things are ac actually somehow a catalyst for the highest and greatest good, even if I can't see in this moment, but somewhere in that line of timeline, it is in some way, shape or form. So that what's, that's what comes up for me. It's like that yin and yang, the each side of the spectrum, Katie speak further into like how maybe we can, you know, the, you know, honor, justify what has been or not. Yeah. Well, not, not justify, but make just, I would say. Um, yeah. And so I would say I have a lot of resistance to the, everything can serve the highest good. It's kind of like, to me, it's like everything happens for a reason. I don't believe that. I do believe that everything that happens, we can find a lesson in. Right. And that's a really different statement than everything happens for a reason. And so I don't want to ever get into the, I don't want to say that native people's land was taken and that's for the highest good. I just don't see the highest good in it. Is there an outcome that we can have that may have good in it? Yeah. But that's also, there's also a lot of devastation, a lot of death and a lot of economic um, and psychological, cultural trauma that happens. It's cultural genocide, cultural genocide. And so it's, you know, it's like kind of balancing all of that or not, not balancing all of that, acknowledging all of that. And no, if I, if I had the solution, I would have done it. I don't have the solution. I would have enacted it. You know, bring it down to like a more personal level. And Katie, you asked why I, um, how I know about these, my ancestors, if I didn't, didn't personally know them, um, a lot was written about them. <laughs> because they were quite famous and there was a very famous murder involved. And 
if anybody's read Hillbilly Elegy, I come from that culture on actually the number of murders and murderers and suicide victims on both sides of my family is a bit astronomical, um, but that's cultural. Um, but a lot's been written about, um, about one particular famous murder and and then the repercussions of that, there were actually two, there was a, there was a homicide, there was lynching right after that. So as descendants of victims of murder victims, as descendants of murderers, um, there's a, there is a lineage there. There is, there are repercussions of that, that, that are direct that go right down the chain um, that I, that I can put my finger on that was with my grandmother. That's gone to my dad. That's come down. That's a direct, um, it's a, it's a direct impact of one murder. Does that make how sense? Long? Yeah. How long it's, ago was that? Do you know? So this was my, my great grandfather. Um, this was 1920. Okay. The, murder, the, the one specific murder I'm talking about was 1920 on the other side of the family. They're much more recent. Well, and I think we're all going to find this, right? So we're, we're all going to have the good, the bad, the ugly with our ancestors and we're all, we've inherited that energy. And so this, you know, we're, we're starting off with a bang. So I think it's time to get into our official well, kind of discussion. And just to say though, too, like with justice, that's, that's where I was kind of going with oh, that yeah. long-winded answer was the justice part of it. Um, because there, there was a lot of questionable justice after the murder. And there's, and the, the exists in the town today. Like, are you on this side of the family? Or are you on that, that side of the family? And which side of this murder were you on? It's fascinating. It defined the tracks in town. Yeah. Yep. Which side of the tracks you were on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get into it um, specifically. So we're going to have, we have some topics for discussion and let's start with the why question. Why even work with ancestors. And I feel like the two of you are going to have such interesting answers to this with your specific uh, types of gifts, with your specific types of work. So should we start with mediumship? Should we start with shamanic practices? Who wants to dive into it? I'll Andrea does. Okay. This is what I do all day, every day with other people's yeah. ancestors. <laughs> um, I think it gives us a perspective outside of ourselves. And I always think that's valuable. It might not be a perspective you want to adopt, but when you think about what your ancestors, like the struggles they were facing, and I'm being sort of specific here about your grandparents or your aunties or your cousins, whatever, that, that lived in a different time, you understand, I think you understand their behavior. You might, might also understand like what, what they accomplished and how you can learn from the good or their struggles. Um, but you can also, I don't know, I think it's just a different perspective. That well, you can bring right into your own life. And I think that's, that's very valuable. So in, for you, is that your clients are able to receive that when they are Correct. hearing from their ancestors? Correct. Okay. And one question I get a lot are, are my ancestors proud of me? Are they okay? Are they okay that I got divorced? My grandmother was very religious. You know, are they okay that I've chosen to take a different path than how the family values looked and and it's i think it's always interesting they're always okay <laughs> they're always okay <laughs> they want us to go live our highest and best life that's for sure um 
think that I think we have a lot to learn and just a different perspective to pull into our own lives. That's that can be helpful. Do you ever have someone come in an ancestor come in who's so far back that they wouldn't be able to identify them? I know that's not evidence-based, but I'm just curious if they ever every knock on now the door. and then, yeah, you know what? Every now and then yes, but it is always somebody that the person can identify oh, okay. that they have done a whole lot of research on, or they feel really connected with this great grandmother or with this other cousin that they never met. And so they, they come in with already a lot of knowledge. Um, and I have a lot of people who are working on historical novels or doing the research of oh. their family and they kind of, they're wanting to see like, am I getting this right? Of course I can't prove that. I don't know. It's not totally evidence-based, but they are coming in with their intent set to meet an ancestor and spirit who they don't know in life. Cool. Yeah. It's very cool. That's super fun. All right. Can I chime in just for a moment with my, um, like super beginnings of mediumship? Cause I'm finally taking lessons. Yay. So I'm doing practice readings for people right now. And so the one I had that was sort of the most clear to me, someone came in who was, this person had not met and it was an in-law mm. who had died, but they had heard tons of stories and they felt connected about. And so, yeah, yeah. They, they felt, felt connected. connected with that, with that soul. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. So that was super fun. Cool. All right. So that's one reason to connect with ancestors to knowledge, connection, healing, perspective. Yeah. Perspective and, and broaden our perspectives. I really like that. That's helpful. And, and I, I know for me too, kind of meeting people, like if you have someone who died when you were little, meeting them as an adult can be a whole different experience as well. So that can definitely broaden perspective. What about you, Amy? What about in, in shamanic work? What's why work with ancestors? I, I feel like this is important, but I don't really, I don't think I know all the details. Yeah. Thank you. Actually, I have something coming through. So Andrea, if you're open to this, um, I would love for you just to the intent to connect with whatever the, and whoever the ancestor is, that's for the highest and greatest good of this podcast right now, anything that they want us to know of why to connect to the ancestor. So be with that for a moment. And I'm going to go ahead and share from my heart. And then we'll come back to you to see if anything's come through of what messages of why to connect with the ancestor. So for me, uh, the ancestors help me gain perspective of what my life path is here right now as Amy, as well as a greater, um, I don't know if I want to call it knowing, but a greater realization of all that has been for me, you know, all that it took just to be in this very moment of time, all the decisions, all like, there's so much gratitude for the ancestors you know, and life hasn't always been as I'm going to say it's in certain ways, it's easy now in certain ways, it's, you know, a little bit more challenging, but man, if you think about, they had to grow their own food, they didn't have the grocery stores that we had now. And so for me, there's a respect, there's a humbleness that comes from connecting with the ancestors and why work with them. So it helps us to better understand ourselves and understand what has come before us. 
Yeah. So that's what comes up for me. So are ancestors a direct part of, of your shamanic training, working with ancestors? Yes and no. Okay. So, um, the direction of the East is off the element of fire is often connected with the ancestors, right. Of like welcoming them, them in or honoring them as well as the West. It's like from birth to death. So the West, like the sun rises, right. And the sun sets in the, in the West. So in, in that way, yes, there's definitely, um, an honoring of the ancestors. Uh, a lot of times whenever I connect with the elementals and the directions or the ancestors just to receive any wisdom, any information that they want me to know right now and today to assist me of making the most out of this lifetime. That is how I personally work with them on a shamanic level. I'm curious, what's the element and what's associated with the North? Uh, spirit and the element of air. Okay. Because in the old seances, you always leave a table, a chair at the table open to the North because you're inviting the spirit person to come in and sit at that northernmost seat at the table. And here's the thing though, is like that, this tradition I'm speaking of, it's the Pachacuti Mesa tradition. And I know that there's, you know, different traditions in America, you know, are native. So even in Peru, there's different traditions. So this is to me a way of gaining connection to the elementals, but it doesn't mean, you know, for other people, the North might represent a different element altogether. So just Mm -hmm. wanted to put that out there and be clear on that too. Well, Amy, I'm glad you directed a question at me earlier because it's the number I can't believe it didn't even come out of my mouth earlier but the number one reason you want to gain perspective outside of yourself like two words came in like really clearly and it's probably my great granddad who I love so much but never met um but he said the reason you connect with your ancestors is so you remember that you're not alone you remember that you're not alone you're not going through this earth by yourself you're not going through the earthly struggle the density that's here on this planet you are not alone and it's not just in that etheric yeah we know souls go on we know their spirituality but it's like no it's real i'm here i'm communicating with you i can give you evidence the soul goes on and you're not alone we got your back yeah that was very cool thank you uh, you know in the in my in my work in my tradition i think there's a lot of work that's been done with ancestors that we've actually forgotten so ancient Christians, we're talking like second, third century, they would routinely go and have picnics in graveyards to connect with the, those who had died. And we do that here in the South. Well, my, there's nothing my grandmother loves more than to go to drag us around to different graveyards. Yes, I, I could not be less interested, but yes, she, she's tricked many of us into doing that. Mm. <laughs> she's like, let's just go to the store and the next thing you know, you're at like all these graveyards to go visit, but, um, Christians would do that on what we now, what we now call Halloween, uh, on all saints day to go connect with the ancestors and and to honor their legacy, their, uh, in some cases, their martyrdom for living a faith that was very difficult back in the um, Roman empire before, before Christianity became a legal religion. And so I think that's something that we, we often forget, 
in the Catholic and Orthodox traditions, especially, there's a whole tradition of saints and preserving the relics of saints and honoring those and putting those in churches for veneration. So there's a lot of ancestor, spiritual ancestor stuff that goes on in Christianity that we, we often forget, especially those who aren't in those particular traditions anymore. You know, but for me and my work and the work I do with my clients, that same kind of meditation I did to um, pat, roll back stuff that doesn't belong to me. You know, I help other people do that in individual sessions. And it's really, really powerful when we realize we can take the best of our ancestors, but we can consciously choose not to accept all the shitty stuff <laughs> that sometimes they want to give to us. Yeah. That's it. I had no idea about the picnicking in the graveyards way, way back because it, it's actually a relatively recent Southern thing here. I mean, people were doing it well through the 1800s and early 1900s in Charleston on, on our graveyards and our graveyards here are very beautiful. The old, the historic ones. Um, so it's kind of a nice place to go have a picnic, but that's fascinating that that's a tradition that goes back thousands of years. Yeah. Thousands of years. Well, um, this is okay. Can y'all still hear it? Okay, good. I'm going to assume it won't be picked up. Um, I did have a distinct thought at a funeral, a funeral of my great aunt. Uh, it's probably been 12 or 13 years ago now, but I'm standing, uh, we're standing in the graveyard as she's, as she's being lowered into the ground. And I look around and I recognize names, you know, because this is where a lot of members of the family were buried and there was kind of a moment I had where I thought, oh, I will not be buried here. I just knew that I won't because my life has gone in such different directions. And it was this totally bizarre thought. I was like, I will not be numbered among my ancestors who are right here. And that, that was just like a little kind of, I don't know. Like surreal. an existential, yeah, yeah. Like a little existential bubble. Yeah. Yeah. That's but cool. I just knew. I just knew. A popular question that I, I see frequently is, can we heal our ancestors? And this is, I think, a, a common thing that we see online and in different kind of metaphysical and the, and the woo-woo worlds that we all inhabit, this idea of healing our ancestors. So what do we think about this? Is, is ancestral energy something that we can actually heal? I don't think you can ever heal another person. I'm going to start with that foundational basis. I think um, that you can only assist other souls in their own healing. I have more to say on that, but I'll let you guys jump in. Yeah, for me, I feel like, okay, so if I am addressing something in myself, you know, that may stem from ancestral, like by doing that, by clearing that, I don't like the word hill to me, there's a little bit of resistance there for some reason. Right. But because it's all energy, but if I'm able to clear the energy, uh, that may be connected to my ancestors, it's almost like it clears it for them as well in some way, shape or form, but it's not me doing it because of them. It's me doing it for me. So that's what comes up for me. Amy, I'm glad you spoke into that resistance on the word heal because I have that as well um, about other people, not myself, but other people. Because if I'm, I, and I feel like this about our ancestors who are no longer with us, that we're assuming something's wrong with them in order to have to heal them. You don't and think I, anything's wrong with your ancestors? <laughs> 
<laughs> Given the lineage I came from, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not like yours, but just no. existentially, you know, your everyone's ancestors. But we have a different we have a different perspective. Our perspective is limited on their lives. And I don't think that we're in should be in a position where we're judging them for their actions when we might not know the whole story. So then can we can we heal our ancestors? No. So, okay, so Andrew, you're saying no. <laughs> Amy, I kind of uh, there's like a, a no because we're not healing, but yes, because there is something that is taking place energetically that is related to them. And it's like, it's clearing for not just ourselves as an individual, but it's also doing something energetically in relation to them and anyone else too, in a sense. So I don't know. That's kind of a tricky question. I don't even know how to answer that really. I guess I feel too, like, what's your intent? And that's the problem I have with the woo stuff online. Like, what's your intent? Are you trying to bypass your own self-work and focus on healing your ancestors instead of, you know, it's sort of that old saying, doctor, heal thyself. So I think I have a problem with that practice when it's, it's spiritual bypassing and, or it's like, let me blame all of my stuff on my ancestors and let me work on healing them rather than working on myself. Um, but I agree with you, Kate, um, Amy, that there's our self-work, whatever that is, especially if we're, if that includes listening and really trying to understand the stories and the lives that our ancestors led has to have a ripple effect up the chain energetically. It just has to. So what do you think, Katie? Yeah. So I, I agree that we're not, we, we don't just go around sort of bopping our ancestors with a magic wand and Hey, you're healed now that, you know, it's definitely not how it works. So there has to be some agency there of the individual of their, of their soul. But, you know, in my experience in my energetic field and vision, my female ancestors were able to receive the energetic rollback I was giving to them. So whether or not they experience healing or not, I've got no idea, but I created, I created the space for them to be able to say yay or nay, or deal with that in their own way. But I think this gets really trippy then when we think like, but wait, are they reincarnated already? Right. Which part of them, right. like this is our is yeah. it a soul fragment. So then it gets really trippy. Um, and then. But even so, even if they are, you know, I'm still accessing their higher self, the part of them that that's very eternal, that's not limited to a human body. And in that case, I've got to think at that, how your self is able to facilitate that healing. It's able to pass it on to wherever they're reincarnated now, if that's the case or in another past life or whatever, because this whole, this whole thing of time is, is fairly illusory, although it's very, very real to us. So I think that ripple effect might be, you know, it might be multidimensional. I love that. I love that. So it might be that wherever they are, that they can let go of a pattern that no longer works mm-hmm. for them as well, because it's solved down one chain. Yeah. It's like family it's- systems theory, multidimensional. Yeah. Multicosmic. So if we apply this to our um, previous episode on cosmic beings, maybe we're doing it on other planets too. This could be, this has 
many, many implications. And maybe we're getting like those moments where you suddenly have an aha moment and something is just let go from you that you've been carrying around in your subconscious forever. Maybe that's one of our descendants healing us from another planet. Seriously. <laughs> So I'm just going to thank right now all of my future <laughs> descendants, which I don't have any kids. I don't know how, what that's going to be, but. <laughs> well, because remember I said that my aunt was my. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, so it's, it doesn't, it doesn't know those same bounds that we, that we think yeah. of. One of the lines in, in um, Outlander that I just hate, I don't know if it's in the book, but I'm, I'm an addict of the book and the show. But at, at one point, Jamie says to Claire, you know, because you had this baby, we will live forever. And I'm like, oh my God, give me a break. Your life speaks for itself. Like putting that on your children that you, that maybe you live forever. That's gross. It could be that I have some healing work to do around this, but that's a weird thing to say, right? It is so right? egoic. Yeah. It's right. So, like, it is so <laughs> manly. Now I yes, will live forever. Yes. <laughs> my seed is now in the form of this child and will live forever. <laughs> That's a lot of responsibility for her. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I have a quick question. Oh, yeah. If we can or can't heal them, can we harm them? Can we harm our ancestors who are no longer here? There's a thread and that's, I feel like it, there is a, it's not a harming that's taking place, but there is something energetically kind of like, how do I want to put this? Um, like if you have a blanket and there's a spot in the blanket, right? You can't remove it from the entire blanket. It's there, right? So that's kind of like the image that I'm getting that it's there, but it's not affecting the entire blanket. It's just part of the blanket, so to speak. Say more. I wouldn't quite finish the metaphor. <laughs> Can elaborate. Um, that it's not it's not harming our ancestors. Um, okay, uh, different metaphor in a sense of like, okay, you have a bag of apples, right? Because every person is an apple of their own, so to speak, right? And sometimes you have what's considered a rotten apple or a bad apple in the back, right? That it that one apple, yes, it could, you know, if all the apples stay with it, that, you know, in the long run, yes, they can all be affected by it. But if you're, you know, that one apple by itself, though, if you take it out of the bag, it's not going to harm or affect any of the other apples, you know? So my, my short answer is no, I don't think so. In the long term, there are other aspects like maybe down the lineage, you know, if we have kids or if we have nieces, nephews, whatever the case may be, like them being around us in some way, shape or form, that's where they're picking up the energy, so to speak. But our past ancestors, I don't feel like we, we are. I'm not thinking we harm I'm in agreement. I don't think we harm them, but I got to And I don't think they're probably really disappointed because, right. Cause they're on a, they're in a different perspective than we are, but I got to think sometimes they must look down and be like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> we worked really hard for you not oh, to do this. <laughs> that's what I, yeah. yeah <laughs> so am totally. I harming them? No. <laughs> Are yeah. they thinking WTF? Maybe. Very real world experience here. A very real world example is going back to that idea of all the women who worked really, really hard um, to bust out of the glass ceiling in the corporate world and law firms on wall street, whatever 
there was, you know, for a while when I was still working, this sense of women of today's time might get very educated, get a really good job. Then they have kids and they want to work part-time. They're not interested in continuing up the corporate ladder. A lot of women jump off the corp, they, they jump out. And so some of those older women, women were like, why did I work so hard for you to just go home and have babies? <laughs> so Katie, I'm with you. Like, what if, what if some of our other ancestors like, wait, why did I work so hard for you to not go, go forward with my, my vision of how women should be living today? <laughs> if, if I have, if I have any ancestors, you know, like Amy said, um, they all, you know, they all grew their own food. I mean, people were growing their own food until like a hundred years ago, uh, 200 years ago. And there's this, there's a strange break in humanity where our ancestors would be shocked that we don't know how to do that for those of us that don't, which I do not. And in fact, I, I just morosely kill most living plants that come into my household. Oh, I'm not no. very good with them. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to give them Reiki now be a little, little more tender, tender with my plants. But the, you know, so if I have an ancestor who really perfected that and worked really, really hard to make sure that their, their families were, were fed and there was always enough food, then they would probably be shocked and they'd probably be a little disappointed in my lack of interest in being able to do that for myself, but I'm very grateful for people who do. So, you know, is that, is that their thing or my thing, or do they not care? I don't know. So harm them. Am I harming them by not being a farmer? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so either. Would it be a good skill for me to get to gain? Probably. Probably. Well, let's, let's talk about kind of the reverse. So we all have ancestors that we've said we don't particularly care for or that have done horrific things that we may know about, but guaranteed we all have ancestors that were probably jerks. Uh, we're probably had values that we, that we no longer share, probably had lots of moments uh, in life that we would not want to maybe broadcast. So let me give just a little perspective to this, to how many ancestors we have. Um, so you, every person listening to this, you're an individual and you have at least two direct ancestors biologically. You might have more than that um, as spiritual, as um, kind of family step, family of choice. Or if you have, for instance, um, two moms or two dads, one might be a biological parent, the other might not, but you have, so you have also DNA lineage, but also cultural lineage from another parent. And then you have four grandparents, you have eight, is that right? Yes. Eight great grandparents. You've got 12 great, great grandparents. You've got 16 great, great, great grandparents. 24, um, whatever's past that, I kind of lost, uh, kind of lost count a little bit by the 10th generation, you will have 1,022 ancestors. Woo. So 10th, yeah. 10th generation is not that long ago. 10th generation is a couple of hundred years at the most. And so if we think back a thousand years, 2000 years, and we go all the way into prehistory and the, the, the dawn of homo sapiens, and we have ancestors beyond that too, right? We all have uh, ancestors who were not, in fact, what we would call uh, Homo sapiens today, we have you know probably millions of ancestors. So there's kind of there's bound to be a jerk in there when we think about it that way. So what do we do if we don't really like our ancestors or we think that they're jerks? What's the solution to this? Choose differently. I mean, we can't change we can't change what someone else does, right? But 
what we can do is work on ourselves. We can do the forgiveness. We can do, we can make choices that are our own choices. Yeah. You know, actually I do have a good number of folks who come in who had an ancestor that they want to make sure they don't hear from because perhaps that person was abusive and that person, you know, that's not going to, they're not going to come into a session just somehow works itself out. But I think that there is some concern that's deep seated in people that if they do have an ancestor who was a murderer or who was an abuser, are they carrying some of that within themselves? And so I think that work then becomes like, is there something in them that, or in us that we need to feel, or that we're, we're carrying shame or we're carrying guilt or we're carrying like a lack of self-forgiveness just because we happen to be born into a family where there's a lineage of abuse. I think that's a real thing that people have to work on in themselves and it's self-forgiveness and they can draw boundaries with those ancestors just like they would if they were alive. Like I'm, I'm the buck stops here. So when I think about what do we do, you know, if we, if we have ancestors who are jerks, so I, I agree, live our best lives, stop the, recognize the pattern, stop the pattern, do something a little different. Uh, I like the drawing boundaries. And I think there's no particular rush to forgive them. Oh, I don't think That's, you forgive anybody else. You just forgive like whatever's in you. Yeah. Whatever's <laughs> yeah, in you. You don't have to forgive them. <laughs> yeah. You don't, nope. so you don't have to, but the, I, I think there's sometimes a lot of pressure to do that. Like, so if you have an immediate ancestor who, you know, was harmful either you, to you, or maybe to a parent, you know, you have a grandparent who was harmful to a parent. There's often a lot of pressure. Oh, we know we have to forgive them. We have to find that within ourselves. So I, I do think that that's a helpful thing to explore. And also we can do it really slowly. It doesn't have to be overnight. And, and that still doesn't mean that you have to actually connect with them. Nope. Correct. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I, I actually would take it one step forward. I don't think it's your job to forgive them. <laughs> I don't think you have to. The, the, I guess the metaphor I use is if a ship is tied to the docking, and this is, uh, this is one of the ancient Greek definitions of, of forgiveness uh, of the word of the word that we now use for forgiveness. But if it's tied too tight, it can never sail free. Mm. But forgiveness helps us free that ship so that it can sail freely upon the ocean. Mm-hmm. But we also don't want to set it free in a storm. <laughs> right. So if we're, if we're in a storm right. period of life or we don't like that forgiveness is not super authentic, it may not be helpful. So it can be slowly. So I, when Jesus says, when they, when his disciples ask, how often should we forgive? And he said, seven, seven times, no, 70 times seven. So it's a hyperbolic statement that he has. He doesn't say you have to do it right now. <laughs> right. So it, there, there's no time limit on that. So we can, it can be a lifetime's work. Well, I think actually that's a very practical way of looking at it because the more you understand about another human being's life, the more you, the more that little forgiveness, maybe it just happens naturally just a little bit. And then maybe you do a little more work or you live your own life you know, you get more life experiences yourself and you're like, oh, now I understand a little bit more of that ancestor's struggles. So maybe it's just, we do work on that forgiveness, just one little notch at a time. And it allows us to, so for me, like if I have, let's say a relative or ancestor, you know, uh, that's been very strict, very like to the point, I have to experience that for me to know that 
I don't want to be that way to choose something differently. So I feel like no matter the case, like if we're able to like, okay, this is showing me my boundaries. This is showing me who and who I do not want to be in this lifetime. Like there's a lot of clearing that takes place just from that realization. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the advice I've heard too, in and working with ancestors from people who do this a, a lot more full-time than I do as their spiritual work is that if we want to work with ancestors, but we don't particularly like any of the ones in living memory, or if we've done our research, we don't really like those. We need to go back as far as it takes to get to ones who are in that healed state, who are the, the highest vibration um, to us. And so we may not know them consciously, but in our imaginative world and our kind of uh, our visualization work, we can go back literally as far as needed. If you need to go all the way back to the elementals into the earth or the Pleiadians, do it. They're there that. for you. They have no reason to tell you no, because they're in a healed state. So we want to go back to the ones who are in, in the most ascended form that they can possibly be in to offer us uh, support. Love that. So go forth everyone. So you don't have to work with the jerks is our bottom line, right? You can, you can learn. That's true. L- living or dead. That's just a good Seriously. rule of life. <laughs> draw your boundaries, draw your boundaries. Just like we were talking about with space mm-hmm. a couple of episodes ago, right? Like draw those boundaries really, really clearly. Okay. Another question that comes up a lot around ancestors. A lot of people feel that they are working with family curses. Like there's a curse that's been passed down generation to generation to generation. And they, they feel like they can't escape from that or that it's, um, it's kind of constantly weighing them down. Um, I've not heard people say the same about blessings. Like they're working with the family blessing, but the energy is kind of the, the same. So what do, what do y'all think? And especially in your work, I'm really, really curious. Are our ancestors either responsible or part of curses or blessings that are multi-generational? For me, like, I feel like, everything's energetic, right? So an energy is going to continue to repeat until we gain the wisdom out of it that it's here for. So it does not have to be that way. Yes, it can be that way, especially if we continue to tell uh, a certain, I'm going to say a story, right? Of like, nothing ever good happens to me. Well, guess what? You're going to continue to repeat that because you keep on saying that. So in a sense, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know that I'd call it a curse, so to speak. I feel like sometimes there is something energetically that can take place. All right. Then I've got one other thing arising because I do feel like a certain shot, you know, I feel that as a shamanic practitioner, I am working with the light, all that's for the highest and greatest good. However, there are others who maybe uh, do work that's not of the highest and greatest good, you know, that they want to harm somebody. And that totally exists too. Now, what I'm going to do with that. So say, for instance, if someone really does feel like, oh, there's a curse on me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to now take that to source that, that controls everything to clear and remove that, like to take care of that. So And the blessings are right there too. You know, there's things that we inherit, you know, whether it be, I'm able to see uh, energetic colors or my intuitive skills, whatever those intuitive blessings are, any of the clear, clairvoyance, clear audience, you know, all that does exist. So whether it be a curse and there's like, some people feel like 
that too can be a curse of like, man, I don't know how to shut this off. This is a curse. I just want peace and quiet. It's like, so there's pieces that we need to learn. And I feel like there's teachers here to assist us along our, our, our earth walk for that too. Andrea, Katie, what comes up for you around this? Yeah. The energy of a curse, um, inherently has a lot of victimization energy in it, you know? So if you feel like you've been cursed, something bad is happening, something's bad on you that you have no responsibility for, right? So some people feel like my family's cursed in love. So I'm okay to make really bad decisions in relationships. <laughs> my family is cursed with money. So I'm okay to make really crappy financial decisions for the rest of my life. It's giving me a free pass. And I can blame I'm go to the casino and find the <laughs> yep. worst person there to hook up with. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think, but it's very real to have generations of family trauma that's passed down and down and down and down. I don't think that's a curse more than it's just, that's your norm. That's how you grew up. You grew up with a certain love language that might be abusive. So I don't think that's a curse. That is just something of how like you need to own. Well, how did I grow up? What is, what is the norm in my family that I maybe is not the norm I want to create going forward? Yeah, I like I I really like both of your answers. And I, I don't have, I think, a whole lot to add. I, I don't know that I believe in generational curses or even really curses in general. Um I don't, I don't know that I believe that they exist. I it is a serious thing if someone curses someone else, and that's there's lots of evidence that people have believed in this and they've been trying. Um, some of our ancient manuscripts, we have tons of tablets and and pieces of paper that were cursed tablets that people would leave at the temple. Um, and often they were, it would be like, so-and-so stole my cow, you know, may there be a pox on them, may there, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but th that kind of energy of like curse energy, it has to be accepted. Correct. I, I, you know, in my, in my experience. So, I mean, I could be, this is not an area where I've done extensive research, but for instance, um, I do um, egg cleanses every once in a while. In fact, I'm doing like I've done, I've done quite a few lately uh, to try to get some of an understanding of what the energy is around me or in me. And so one of the readings of an egg cleanse, and basically you, you rub this egg all over you with some um, high vibration intent about what it tells you, you crack it in a glass of water and you kind of do a reading on it after um, like 15 minutes or so. But one of them is like a lot of people may be offering, uh, maybe jealous or, or sending you kind of bad vibes or bad energy, but this is not like a curse. That's not a curse, right? People, like, a lot of people don't like what I have to say. So yeah, they may, be, they may be thinking of me with not the um, highest of intent, but you know, and even if they're actively wishing me harm, you know, there's a lot of people who actively wish me harm. Um, a female minister who does woo woo stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't like that. Right. Um, but I don't have to accept that energy. And so the egg cleanse tells me where I need to have a better bubble. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I'm not receiving that. Right. So I yep. don't actually internalize any of that. And so you don't engage with it. Yeah. So hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with you. Like that, that idea of a curse, like someone's throwing a spear energy spear at you or something, it has to, you have to agree to take it in. You have to agree. We're all divine beings with free will. So you have to agree that, yes, I'm going to buy into this notion of victimization whatever it is, or I'm going to yeah. engage with the slur that you just called me. I'm going to, some part of me is going to engage, engage with it rather than letting it just slide off. If someone got really mad at you and we're calling you like, just because you're a green unicorn, 
I mean, wouldn't you laugh? You'd be like, oh, I like being a green unicorn. I would love to be a you green know? unicorn. I know, but it's just like, it's ridiculous because it we're not, so that's like, they can't curse us by being a green unicorn. You know, or with so if they can do that with like, with other things they, they don't like, there's a lot of people don't like the idea that I'm a psychic medium for sure. We're all three witches here. <laughs> that's the first time someone to... has positively called me that. Thank you so much. That's really great. I like it. I love. We're green unicorn witches. Yes. Lovely. We don't have to, we don't have to be engaged with the people who don't like that fact. Some ancestors love that. Some don't. And you know yeah. what? Right. What it is, what it is. Right. Well, I think we're ready for our meditation. Amy, are you going to lead us in this uh, ancestral journey? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So for our listeners, if you are driving, by all means, do this when you are not, or keep your eyes open and just see what arises for you, right? Because I feel like I can multitask sometimes, but if you are someone that does not, then don't do that. But get comfy, be in a place that you can be fully relaxed. I'm going to invite you, once you're comfy, to close your eyes. Begin connecting to your breath, your heart space. The intention of this meditation is for you to connect and receive from the ancestor that is of the highest and greatest good. See yourself walking down a path. And just notice what you're noticing as you walk down this path. Maybe there's nature surrounding you. Maybe there's animals or ancestors down this path just witnessing you. You continue down this path. You get to a fork in the road. There's two directions to go. And you can only choose one. Even if there's curiosity about what's down each of them, there's one of them that's meant for you. Just notice which one you're called to go down. at any point you can choose to come back to that fork of the road and go down the other to explore it too but for today's purpose for right now that ancestor that's for the highest and greatest good which path do you go down as you walk down that path you notice someone at the end You get closer and closer. And you see them smiling. They've been waiting for you. They're so happy to see you. They know what you seek and they have the answers for you. Begin to listen to what they have to say. Be with this ancestor. 
they might tell you verbally or gesture or show you. It may be a feeling or an image that they share with you. Or you may be able to hear their thoughts. Listen carefully. Watch carefully. Expand your awareness. Time has come, it's now time for you to return. But before you go, your ancestor has something for you. They put something in your hands to remember, remember them, to be with them, to connect with them anytime you need. Give gratitude for what's been received. You part ways, walking back down the path that you came. Reaching the fork in the road, passing it. all the way back out to where you started. And know that you can return to this path, that fork in the road, anytime you choose. And when you're ready to open your eyes, 
Take a deep breath into your heart space. We welcome you back. Hi, ladies. Would either of you like to share anything that came up for you? Fairly distracted at the beginning, just with thoughts of um, my to-do list. And so and I really appreciated the meditation because it helped me get a little bit beyond that. But I definitely had the like presence of a strong female ancestor, not a lot of visuals, but this, I think, a strength and a resilience and and, and not, nothing like super specific about date or time or anything like that, just a um, long ago matriarch. But it was a very clear invitation to put an ancestral stone on my altar. And since I moved about a year ago, I've not been attentive to the ancestor part of my altar. So I need to, and I, I will, I have the intent to revitalize that. So I'll, I'll be, I think I'll be in search of the ancestral stone see which one is calling to me. Yeah, I, I was my dad's side of the family and my grandmother, I felt very strongly that, you know, these are women I've never met, but all and all of her sisters. So one of her sisters was the showgirl. One of her sisters was murdered. One of like that it was those women and those women. And then I felt my, their father, but those women, when they come in, they, they get very playful and they show themselves what was the, is the movie practical magic? There's three. Yeah. With Sandra Bullock and yeah. That's kind of how they show themselves. <laughs> they always show themselves like mischievous and playful. Um, yeah. Um, but what they gave me, the woman who was the showgirl gave me a bobble, like a, a, a rhinestone like something you'd wear on a costume, very flashy um, kind of brooch, very, very costume jewelry. And I want to actually share something with our listeners. Here's an exercise you can do. Um, I didn't believe it when I first started it, but it works every time um, that my mentor gave me. So anytime I'm going into a group event and I feel the energy start to rise and this can happen hours ahead of time, a group event, meaning I'm doing a demonstration of mediumship or doing group reading, a large group. Um, I ask spirit to pulse me, give me an impulse. And you can set your intent every time you go into a meditation to have your guide or when spirits around you to impulse there, you actually will start feeling something physical in your body. So some people feel like a brush on your hand or tug of the hair. Mine is I will get a muscle twitch, usually in my right or left bicep or my thigh. And it is so significant. You can actually see it like it'll, you can see it. So it's a physical impulse when spirits around. And so my, like the ladies were around me and my bicep was thumping. So it was really cool. I imagine your ancestors like punching you a little bit. Totally. Pay attention. Poking, poking. Yeah. <laughs> the, one of the things I, I thought of, I, this was crossing my mind during, during the meditation is we were talking about, you know, grief and, and cultural eradication with ancestors. I love it when I see a black woman wearing a t-shirt that says, I am what my ancestors dreamed of. Yes. You know, so really like yes. that, that kind of power in the, in the now and in the resilience, mm-hmm. resilience and acknowledging the, the trauma and the grief too. So perhaps we are, um, perhaps we are all the products of a lot of dreams. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. I hope so. 
main call to include one more thing. So obviously we're after the meditation. I did not include this part, but I'm feeling called that sometimes there may be intuitive gifts or spiritual gifts that we have yet to ignite in ourselves. So as you go visit your ancestor, maybe you go back down the path, but this time you choose the other fork in the road with the intention of, oh, this fork, this ancestor has a gift for me to receive and see what that is for you. Awesome. We can't wait to hear. Um, Any other concluding thoughts? It's been great. Now I've got to spend the rest of the day with my, my grandma and her siblings. <laughs> well, we're, we are eager to hear from everyone how the meditation went. And so write us anytime with your experiences, comments, questions. Our email is magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. So yeah, send us a note there. You can always visit our website, magical-mystical-journeys.com and see all of the episodes, past, present, future, much like ancestors. You can see the ancestry of the show from season one through now. Well, later later we will have more descendants. And do give us a rating on iTunes if you can. That is the best way when you give us five stars and include a little note. Um, iTunes loves that. It bumps us up in the algorithms and helps spread the words. We really, really appreciate that. And with that, we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.